Because today I always say that I don't take it for granted any day, any hour, any minute, any second. Because we are living in a borrowed time. The Lord borrows us every 24 hours when you get up every morning. I don't know, I have told you over and over again when I shave in the morning, I see my face in the mirror, this is the last day I'm doing, tomorrow I may not be doing. That's how close we are with eternity. And you know, that's how I live every day. That I have to stand before and every day when I preach or teach, this is the last I'm doing, maybe next week I may not be there. So, but we thank God that, that the psalmist says in Psalm, 119, uh, Psalm 118 that this is the day the Lord has made, so we are here to rejoice. What a joy. What a joy for a smiling face. It doesn't cost you, beloved, is it? Send the bill to Harvest Baptist Church. We'll send you a check. <laughs> Let's pray. Almighty God, our gracious, loving Father, we thank you so very much that you have trusted us under the Lord's day in our lives, the day of victory over sin, death, and hell. What a privilege, O oh God, that redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, gather together to glorify you and to worship you and to adore you. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your mercy and your compassion have renewed this day. Great is your faithfulness. As we begin our study, O oh dear loving God, we sit under the authority of your word. Would you please open our eyes, open our ears, and give us the obedient heart, enlighten us, O oh God, draw us more closer to you, that we may know who you are, O oh God. How much we long to know you more and more so we can be conformed in your likeness. Lord, that is your ultimate gospel goal. And we are here, Lord, to be conformed. And we ask that you bless our time to study your word. Bless my people, Lord. Each person has a different need. And Holy Spirit of God, Holy Spirit of the truth, I pray that you illuminate the mind and the hearts of the people so they can grasp, understand, and rejoice in your word. We commit our life in your loving hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> How is your soul this morning, friends? Tim? Tim. Share is that let's sing. The best book to read is the Bible. The best book to read is the Bible. The best book to read is the Bible. If you read it every day, it will help you on your way. Oh, the best book to read is the Bible. One more time. The best book to read is the Bible. The best book to read is the Bible. If you read it every day, it will help you on your way. Oh, the best book to read is the Bible. Thank you, Sari, for your talent gift you're using here. <clears throat> uh, 
before we get into our study, we are going to look into the life of Jesus Christ, who Jesus Christ is in details. And I want you to be educated by the word so you can build your faith on the authority of God's word. But before we get into that, I would like to remind you that can we know God? That's the question. Can we know God? Not knowing about God, but God. Can we know God? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. We can know God. You know, in my devotion, I was reading and I would like to, if you are having a paper and pen, these are the two great statements. I want you to write down. It is good for you. Uh, you think about that. About faith, number one, faith. Listen to this. Let me say it. And if you think that it is worth writing, then you can write it down, okay? Let me read. Faith is to believe what we don't see. And, to the, re and the reward of this faith is to see what we believe. Do you understand? What a power. And this is St. Augustine said that. Let me say it again so you can write it down if you want to. Faith is to believe what we don't see. Faith is to believe what we don't see. And the reward of this faith, and the reward of this faith is to see what we believe. And you know, many times the trial comes in our lives. No one is exempted from trials. Trials. So someone has said this, and I would like you to think about, let me read, read it again. The meaning of trial is not only to test worthiness, but increase it. And the oak is not tested by, oak is not only tested by the storms, but toughened by the storm. A powerful word, isn't it? Let me say it again. The meaning of trial is not only to test worthiness, but increase the worthiness. As the oak is not tested only, oak is not only tested by the storms, but toughened by the storm. What a powerful statement, friends. Hi. So the that's why James says, do not consider trials as an intruder. Do not consider trial as an intruder, but consider with joy because God has designed that and he is behind the trials to make you strong. So your children and grandchildren, when they look at you, when you're facing the trials, say, hey, God works. God works. And that is what we are gathered here to learn about God. That's what we are gathered here to learn about God. You know, I have so much to give in limited time, so I grieve for that because uh, I want, you know, when you invite somebody, right? You invite somebody, so you go to the supermarket, 
and you design in your mind what you're going to cook. And then you bring one by one by one. Hey, this is this. Oh, yes. And you cook. You take time. You cook. And when your guest comes with a, such a smile, he says, and then the, when, the, when the invitee eats, oh, what a delicious meal you are providing. for! Thank you. And you know, in your heart, say, this is the labor of love. This is the labor of my love. When I prepare for you, it's not fast food. It's not fast food. And that's why I have so much to give within limited time. And I feel guilty when I don't give you. And that's why I so go fast. Uh, so bear with me, please. Because in within limited time, so much to give. I want you to enjoy every bite. I want you to enjoy every bite. I don't want you to go half hungry. I want to thoroughly enjoy the meal I'm going to serve you this morning, okay? Let's set the stage. <clears throat> the question is, can we know God? The answer is yes. And the verse is Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 20. I don't want to see, I, this time I have written almost every verses. So I can give you more time. Because when you turn the Bible, it takes a lot of time. So to cut the time and, and do the justice to the study, I almost wrote, wrote all the verses so you can listen carefully. And if you don't understand or if you want to understand more, I am here, friends, anytime. Call or come to our house. We sit together and I can explain more in details. Or Pastor Marty is here. He will help you to understand also. So, uh, Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 24, prophet Jeremiah says, But let him who glories, glories in this, that he understands and knows me, God says. Knows me. That I am exercising loving kindness Judgment, righteousness in the earth. For in this, thus says the Lord, I delight. The Lord delights that he exercise loving kindness, righteousness, and justice. So you know who God is. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. Without faith it is impossible to please God. Whoever comes to him must believe that he is. God is, not God was or God will be, but God is. And you know, when that word you connect with Psalm number 46, God is our refuge and our strength. God is our present help in trouble. That's why the psalmist says, be still and know I am God. Is God knowable? Yes, be still and know. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. Yes, that is the God of the Bible. He wants to take you beside the still waters. Take time. Be still and know that he wants to restore your soul. He wants to restore your soul. 
That is the God of the Bible. You know, Paul writes in Romans chapter 11, verse 33, 34, this is what he says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. God's is his judgment is unsearchable. Turn to Genesis to Revelation. You see God, uns, his unsearchable judgments throughout the scripture. You know, friends, I wonder when you come to the house of God every Lord's Day, have you ever prayed, Lord, I want to know you more. Please open my eyes. I want to know you. No, I don't want to know the blessings. God blesses because that is his nature. God blesses because that is his nature. But if I know who God is, he will see me through in the thick and the thin times. God. Unsearchable wisdom. You know, that is... My heart's desire, now on when you come to the house of God in the night, in the morning, when you come, pray, Lord, I want to know you more. I want to know you more. Open my eyes, open my heart. Build your faith on God. Not on the blessings, boy, boy. If you, if you build your faith on the blessings, you are building your faith on the sand. Because the blessings differs from person to person. But God, He is the same yesterday, He is the same today, and He will be the same tomorrow. Amen. He never changes. He never, ever changes. You know, I was, as I was preparing, not one in a, this is the survey, listen to this, not one in a hundred churchgoers today actively think about God or stands in awe of him in our worship service, end quote. No person ever rise higher than the idea of God. James Boyce, a pastor, godly man, he, Lord took him early. He is a great expositor, James Boyce. He writes, and I quote, a loss of the sense of God's high and awesome character always involves the loss of the personal moral values. When your moral value is going down, the value of God going down. A.W. Tozer writes, what comes in our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. About us. No one, uh, Job, uh, you know, I, I'm telling you, the God, book of Job, God willing, next spring, I'm going to teach you. So I want you to read book of Job, now onward, so you can read at least six to seven times. So when you come April or March, end of March, you know what I'm going to teach you. It's a wonderful book of Job. Job writes in chapter 11, verse 7, God has no boundaries. 
God has no boundaries. God can only be divinely perceived through the Holy Spirit of God. Unless the Spirit of God illuminates our mind, we can never comprehend the things about God or God himself. What Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, 9 to 16. And I would like to read verse 10. So if you're writing the verses, write 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. This is what the Holy Spirit writes. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. God has revealed himself through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, deep things of God. It's getting so dry. Spirit searches all things about God. You know, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, the natural man cannot understand the things of the Spirit of God. That means the spiritually dead person cannot read, cannot understand the things of God. Period. It's a non-negotiable fact. So Bible is not for the ungodly. Bible is for the godly because godly have a mind of God, Spirit of God, to understand the things of God. We have a saying in our country. What good it is to read the Bible before Buffalo? What good it is to read the Bible in front of the Buffalo? Animal. No good. Because, or cow. Because we get milk from Buffalo. That's why I'm seeing Buffalo. Practically knowing God, how do we know God, my friends? I want to know God. I'm sure you have a desire to know God. How do you know God? Do you have to go to a seminary in order to learn about God? Oh, no, no, no. You can go in your own closet. Set your mind on the things of God. Set your mind on the things of God. You know, that's why before you go, Psalm number 119, excuse me, and verse 8. Open the eyes of my heart, O Lord. I want to see you. And someone has penned beautiful chorus. Open the eyes of my heart, O God. I want to see you. See you high and lifted up. In the, in the signing of the light of your glory, We'll sing holy, holy, holy. Open the eyes of my heart, O Lord. When you go to the prayer closet, read this verse, Psalm number 119 and verse 18. Open my eyes, O Lord, that I want to see, because only the Spirit of God will enlighten the truth about God. So write down verse 20, Psalm number 27, verse 8. That is the verse you must Understand. You must read and understand. <clears throat> it, it says here, When thou said, Seek my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, I will seek. Thy face, Lord, I will seek. 
Psalm number 27, verse 8. And then, secondly, you can say, fill, fill your heart with the word in order to obey. You know, my friends, why so many people don't grow spiritually? They come week after week after week in the Bible study, evening service, on the Sunday worship service. They know more and more about God, but they miss obedience. When you don't obey, God is not obligated to expound or expose more truth about him. When you obey, then only. Like, we have a son. Let me, if my son is growing up and I give him $25, and then at the end of the day I said, what did you do, son? Dad, I kept it because I was praying that God would give me wisdom to use $25. You know what I would do? Next time I will give $50 because I trust him. But in $25, if he, one hour is squander, do you think I would give another $10 to him? Same principle with heaven. Same principle. When God reveals to you, he wants you to obey. He wants you to obey. He doesn't want to entertain you. He wants you to obey so you can grow. That is the ultimate purpose of God. That is the ultimate purpose of God. You know, in uh, John chapter 14 and verse 21, thus John says, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. Hallelujah. Again, let me read. This is Jesus' word. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, that is, the one who obeys, to him I love. To him I love. And then he that loveth me shall be loved by my, my father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. What a privilege. What a privilege for a redeemed people that when God reveals his word to us and you obey, and God is delighted to give you more and more and more, and God delights in you, what a privilege to have a, such a God who trusts us, who trusts us. Jesus emphasizes the need for the hist uh, habitual practice of obedience and his commands as evidence of the believer's love for the Lord. Love for the Lord and for the Father. This is the consistent teaching with James. What did James say? Show me your work and I will believe your faith. Is it not? This is what he said. Faith without work is? Are you sure? That's what the scripture says. Faith without work is dead. Faith without work is dead. And what did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 7 verse 16? Ye shall know the tree by their fruit. I don't have to tell everybody I'm born again. I'm born again. But the fruit is not there. I become the stumbling block for the people. James 
is talking about the same thing. A person's outward deeds are the surest evidence if, if he or her, her inward condition. Let me say it again. A person's outward deeds are the surest evidence of his or her inward spiritual condition. Believers are characterized by the righteous works because they have God's life and God's spirit. You know, my friends, aren't we privileged people that we, when we became born again believers, the spirit of the truth comes to dwell in us to lead us victorious life, which we would not live in our own strength? This is double blessings, beloved. This is double blessings. When you become the born-again believer, not only you are sealed by the Holy Spirit for eternity, but also, also he has given his spirit for a victorious living. Not defeated living. Victorious living. So the believers are victorious, not the uh, victim of the casualty. So many believers are the victims of the casualty, my beloved, because they don't obey God. They don't obey God. And they become the stumbling block for the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven. You know, how many we all wish that God would glorify him? Do you, know, do you understand what does it mean to glorify God in our life? We all desire. Isaiah 43, verse 7, and verse 21. The Lord, thus says the Lord, I have created you for my glory. That is the Old Testament Jewish people. But then, then Paul, what does Paul write in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31? Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Glory of God. No wonder Paul says, whether through my life or through my death, may he be glorified. You know, my friend, that is my prayer. Through my life, through my death, oh Lord, be glorified. We sing in our men's fellowship, be glorified in your church, be glorified in my family, be glorified in my life. Do we really mean it? It's wonderful to pray, but to live like that is more wonderful. It's more wonderful. So, what does it mean to glorify God? And that was the Lord's teaching in the Lord's prayer, disciples' prayer. Remember in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5? When you pray, pray like this, Our Father, what in heaven? What is that next says? Hallowed be thy name. What does it mean? Hallowed be thy name. Let your name be reputed. Let your uh, interest, let your everything be exposed in my life. I take second, I take driver's uh, passenger seat. You be my driver. Glorify. Glorify. You know, that was David's desire. Remember, David was facing Goliath. And Goliath, David says, you come, in the, you come with spear 
and sword, but I come in the name of the Lord and let Israel and the people know there is a God. Oh, beloved, that ought to be our desire. That Lord be glorified. Be glorified. Glorify God is to exalt Him, to recognize Him supremely worthy of honor and to acknowledge His divine attributes since the glory of God is also the sum of God's attributes. You know when you say glorify, oh God, glorify, you are telling God, let your holiness be exalted. Let your righteousness be exalted. Let your justice be exalted. Let your sovereignty be exalted. Let your omniscience be exalted, omnipotent be exalted, omnipresence be exalted. Let, oh God, let your truth be exalted. Let your love be exalted. That is what we desire. I hope you desire that. I hope you desire that. You know, that's what John the Baptist, you remember John the Baptist in John chapter 3, people began to t- turn away from him and follow because he introduced the Lamb of God. So Andrew and, Andrew and, uh, Andrew and John, they left uh, uh, John the Baptist. Uh, so somebody came and, and told John, John the Baptist, do you know everybody's going? And what did John the Baptist say? He must increase, I must decrease. He must increase, I must decrease. I'm nothing. I'm dust. I will return to the dust. But his glory is forever. That ought to be our desire. Let your children know that that is your desire. And you know, my beloved, God will see your heart and honor your desire. Honor your desire. I think that is all. I would like to now get into our study about Jesus Christ. That is our subject for today and next Lord's Day. I have something more to say, but probably I'll take over next time. You know, For our study, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 14. That will be our theme. John chapter 1, verse 1 and 14. John 1, verse 1 and verse 14. Fourteen, verse chapter one, verse fourteen. He said it. Thank you, Paul. Oh, friends, I, I I can take these two verses, and 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 expound for several weeks. So rich, so rich. Follow me as we go through this. When he came to earth as a man, 
Jesus' deity was veiled. It was hidden. And Paul, so beautifully in doxology, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 11. Turn with me, please. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 11. Someone can read. Thank you. Thank you, team. Thank you so very much. Do you understand these verses? Especially when Paul is writing, he made, this is mind-boggling to me, he made himself of no reputation. We are living in a time where everybody wants to become something. Everybody wants to become something. Pull somebody down so you can go. That's the culture. But heavenly culture was, though he was God, yet he made himself of no reputation. What did Isaiah write 700 years ago before Jesus Christ came? In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 2, when we looked at him, he had no comeliness. We turned our face from him. Can you fathom? We call it Christmas. He had no calmliness. When we look at him, we turn our face. Whenever I read, tears come in my eyes. God of the universe made himself Zero. And man of the earth would like to become something. Something. Let's learn from the Lord. Let's learn from the Lord. You know, when you think about Paul, uh, John writes in chapter 1, verse 1, and verse 14, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we behold the glory of God. And John stops there. Let me travel, let, travel with me this very thought. When we talk about the infinite, infinite become finite. Can you fathom that? The infinite. 
unlimited God became limited. Unlimited God. Infinite became finite. Invisible God became visible. The transcendent became imminent. That which was far off drew near. That which was beyond the reach of human mind became that which could be beholden within our own naked eyes. What did Simeon say, my beloved? When Mary and Joseph took Jesus at the age of, when he was eight days old, what did Simeon say? Oh, I wish you would read. Luke chapter 2, turn with me please. Luke chapter 2, verse 29, 30 and 31 and 32. Oh, what a powerful word. Luke chapter 2, verse 29, 30, 31, 32. Four verses. Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 29 through 32. Now keep in mind, Simeon holding infant Jesus. And this is what he said. Read someone, please read someone. Thank you very much, Pastor Marty. Do you see? Holding baby Jesus, let thy servant depart in peace. My eyes have beholden your salvation. You have prepared for your people. My eyes have beholden, which was hidden. Now we can behold. The transcendent become imminent. Infinite became finite. That which was far off now came near. Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we call it Christmas. We call it Christmas. <clears throat> here in this verse, John chapter 1 verse 14, here in this verse, we are permitted to see through the veil that which unveiled would have blinded us for years. Now we can see. And Jesus said, those who have seen, seen my father. When we say the Lord became flesh, or the word became flesh, he became what he was not previously. Yet he did not cease to be God. Keep my friend this in front of your eyes. He became, the rest of the week you think about this. He became what he was not previously. So we could become what we could not have become anyway. The writer of the Hebrews, in chapter 2, verse 14, 15, and 16, he writes that he became, so he can destroy the fear and the power of death. 
Before I got saved, my beloved, oh, time is running like unbelievable. Before I got saved, whenever I went to see the, whenever I attended the funeral service, I was so afraid. So afraid. But then, in 1967, the Lord opened my eyes to behold glory of cross. Death is no big deal. You know why? Because he defeated death and the fear of death. Anybody has a fear of death? I have good news. The one who was eternally infinite, he became finite. So you can become son and daughter of God. My time is so running fast, friends. I'm not even like this. Next time. Let's consider the prayer request.